The Four Horsemen. What you have here is the Four Horsemen, united, live and exciting color. Um, not those Four Horsemen. These Four Horsemen discuss theology from different viewpoints, different perspectives, as we show people how to have discussions without turning into a keyboard warrior. Are you stupid? Now, here's Dennis Thurman, Adam Black, Benjamin Kerfman, and Derek McCarson, the Four Horsemen. All right, welcome back to another nourishing episode of the Four Horsemen. Hopefully not the Four Horsemen of Apocalypse, but uh, Four Horsemen bringing you truth and guidance and um, maybe a laugh or two along the way. But I'm Derek McCarson, your host for this episode, along with Benjamin Kerfman and Dennis Thurman, Adam Black. Listen, this is... Hey, wait a uh, minute, weren't you the uh, host of the last one? I was. So how yes. did this happen? Because this is part two. So if you didn't listen to the first one, uh, which we did on the five false gospels, uh, you need to go back and listen to that one, or you might be totally lost. It was one of our, our best ones and very highly rated. There you go. Uh, so, we are going back to the five false gospels. We hit the first three, and uh, we have two left. And so, uh, we're referencing this book, The Church in Babylon by Erwin Lutzer. Great read, very meaty and uh, challenging. But let's talk uh, briefly about the gospel of New Age spirituality. Now, we live in uh, Western North Carolina. The Four Horsemen do. I don't know where you're listening, but uh, here in Buncombe County, Haywood a County, Western metropolis. North Carolina, uh, I've been told that Asheville in Western North Carolina is a harmonic convergent zone. It is where the veil between the dimensions is very thin, and uh, Wiccans and pagans yes. and it's on uh, top those of who are into deposit. witchcraft and, and mystical sorcery mountains can really get in touch with. Uh, the other side, so to speak. So New Age spirituality is big. Um, this is the gospel of Oprah. This is Deepak Chopra. This is... Um, this rhyme. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to think of a good one, but I got nothing. <laughs> let me just uh, start, guys, oh, by reading a passage from the book, uh, page 203, Gospel of New Age Spirituality. Erwin Lutzer writes, Many young evangelicals do not feel at home in church. They gravitate to groups where they can personally be involved in honest sharing, caring for the poor, and ongoing relationships. They are more open, more vulnerable, and less inclined to follow the dictates of quote-unquote organized religion. And then he continues on page 206, People want spirituality, but not religion. Yes, I want to have a connection to the sacred, but I want to do it on my own terms, terms that honor who I am as a discerning, thoughtful agent and that affirm my day-to-day life. So that's religion on my terms. Now, guys, when I first read this chapter and this segment here, um, the first thing that I went back to was Genesis chapter 4, and I thought about uh, the difference between Cain and Abel and uh we read there that Abel brought a more acceptable sacrifice to the Lord, and Abel brought uh, his offering from the earth. Abel's was uh, accepted, Cain's was rejected, and of course uh, the fallout from that was murder, uh, the first murder that came into the world and blood was shed. And really uh, that was uh, a picture of the first uh, attempt at religion. 
uh, man approaching God in his own way, uh, on his own terms. And so really um, what you have here with the false gospel of new age spirituality is not only that, but you have a mixture of a little bit of Jesus thrown in with a little bit of Eastern mysticism and um, a little bit of uh, Wicca and whatever else uh, you want to throw into the pot there to make it a religion of your own making. What do you guys think about this? Anybody, jump in. I agree that uh, we're facing that in, in our area, and it infiltrates the church because, uh, as we've said previously, there's a great drive for uh, experience and letting experience be the basis of what we do. Theology has been replaced by theology, you mm-hmm. know, uh, the uh, gospel of feels, what makes me feel good. And, and really at the root, it again, it goes back to, as you said, to the garden and the fall and that desire for personal autonomy, mm-hmm. uh, for me to set my own standards, do my own thing. And, and so I can relate to God in my way. Now, you know, a lot of those folks will say, well, if you want to go to church and if you want to believe the Bible and, you know, follow Jesus, then that's, that's your way. It works for you. But, uh, you know, it's, it's not for me. And I feel like, and then they'll uh, go on with that. But, you know, to me, it is an indicator uh, that we are in uh, the end times uh, approaching that. Uh, Paul said that when that happened, there would be people that would follow doctrines of demons. Mm-hmm. And so the very God they claim to worship is actually demonic. It's like the idols of Paul's day. He said, these are not really gods, but he does say that behind those are demonic powers that are real. Mm-hmm. That won't though, worship. Yeah, that even yeah. the images aren't. So so I think that's back where we are again. Yeah, and I don't know if uh, you guys and gals out there uh, remember a few years ago, there was a huge book that came out. It was It was tremendous in Christian life. And they made it into a movie, and it made all kinds of money, and it was very popular. It's called The Shack. And I don't know if you guys uh, and gals read that or if you remember it, but that's a perfect illustration. We had people in church that read that. Yeah, I had people in my church uh, very interested in it, and they were asking me questions about it. Um, But in that book and in that movie, you know, you have an alternative, a a new age look at uh, our reimagining of the traditional God and... um, so I think in that book, uh, the Holy Spirit was referred to as a blue, like a blue spirit. I'm thinking like maybe the genie from Aladdin. <laughs> and then uh, God the Father. I would God, say Bethel Church. God yeah. the Father was pictured as uh, an elderly woman. And then an African um, American woman, yeah. I believe, as I recall. And so why couldn't God be covering all our bases? Right, right, right. How do we know it's a he? It could be a, a, a yeah, she, yeah. you know, uh, that kind of thinking. So. Uh, you could find that book on the shelves of a Christian bookstore uh, because it was labeled under, you know, Christianity and religion, and so these things are are all the time infiltrating the church in a lot of uh, unsuspecting ways. Uh, another guy who is uh, really big into the gospel of New Age spirituality uh, that Erwin Lutzer points out in this chapter is Rob Bell. And I don't know if you remember, but Rob Bell had a huge church up Love in wins, brother. Yeah, Michigan. His he middle name is some good stuff. His middle name is dumb, isn't it? <laughs> mm. 
But yes, Adam, you're right. He did have that book, uh, Love Wins. And basically the whole point of that book was to get rid of the doctrine of hell. Um, I didn't, I read portions of the book. I didn't read the whole thing. It was a ton of questions with no answers. Yeah. That's yeah. really what it was. Yeah. So, um, what do you guys other experience um, with the so-called gospel of the new age? Well, well go, go ahead, Adam. I thought you go ahead. Well, I mean, I think a lot of it, if you think about, you know, church attendance, you know, search within yourself and, mm-hmm. you know, but the, the problem with this stuff is it's, you might, like Dennis said, the philology, I like that. Um, and you might find something that feels good for a moment, but it doesn't last. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and you're the idea that you keep, um, you know, that you hear from the Oprah theology to look within yourself, to find the true answers. And that's just not logical because like, if you are lost, you know, you're driving down the road and you're lost, you're not going to stop and ask yourself for directions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the real big downfall is that people might, can find happiness for a brief season, but true contentment, true joy cannot be found apart from Christ and apart from the true gospel. And, and that's the, the sad reality is people that you see that are following these things, reading these books, watching these shows and things of that nature are struggling so mightily um, because they want to do it on their own. You mm-hmm. know, they don't want to submit. They don't, you know, God is their authority. And so it's kind of a, uh, it's kind of a spiraling death, if you will. Mm. Rob Bell's middle name is actually Holmes, for the record. Okay. <laughs> I just Google. thought Rob Dumbbell was, you know, <laughs> Holmes. Sounded, like Sherlock sounded Holmes. appropriate. Yes. All right, Ben, you want to jump in on this one? Mm, new we Age. Move to the next one. Uh, new Age is a. I mean, you work at Starbucks, so I mean, you're at the crossroads true. of. Well, you know, society. Mo- most of the people at Starbucks aren't even New Age. They just don't think about religion at all. I mean, they're just secular, most of them. Um, Are they the nuns? I have no. Yeah. Religion. Yeah, I mean, they they would be the nuns. Yeah, N O N E S as as uh, as uh, Tom as Randall opposed would to N U N S. Yes. Yes. Um, no, the the trick with New Age is New Age is someone's um, that is their parachute for logic. So, if somebody has an actual worldview, and you confront them with good reasons to think about God or sin or their purpose in life or the universe, or if you ask them any meaningful question, um they won't have an answer because they either haven't thought about it or they have a terrible worldview that's horribly logically inconsistent. And so uh, the new age essentially gives them a a safety net of saying, you know, it doesn't have to make sense, which is essentially like that's where Eastern mysticism thrives is that, you know, uh, things don't have to be logical because, nothing is real everything all reality is a, is an illusion logic is an illusion and because everything is an illusion then the only thing that's not an illusion is what i think because what i think is not an illusion because i think it but what you think is an illusion because i think that it is and you and you get into the, all these entanglements i think i don't have a clue which is where exactly exa- they don't either it's exactly what adam said about like like rob bell's book you know it's basically i get to ask all the questions 
And if you ask me a question that I don't know the answer to, then I don't have to answer it because I create reality with my mind. And so but like, I can't it's say that just is completely subjective. Question. Yeah. I can respond that. You way. know, like, I, I asked somebody at work the other day, you talk about Starbucks. We were at work and somebody made a comment about lying. And one of my coworkers said, well, lying is a sin. And, and, and I said, well, I said, lying is only a sin if the truth exists. Do you think that truth exists? And she's like, well, not really. And I was like, is that true? And my other co- co-worker started swearing when I said that because she she got it, even though she wasn't a believer either. Um, but it, it's just it, it, you you can easily trap people in that. And New Age is, is the way to just walk out the back door. You know, like it doesn't have to make sense. It's all a mystery. It's all an illusion. To me, that's the that's the most frustrating thing about talking to somebody with that mindset is, is you have to get them to accept that something that anything is real in order to actually have a conversation with them that's meaningful mm-hmm. otherwise it's like just talking to somebody who has no no assurance that they're even real or that anything that they're doing i've had people tell me that what if we're all just a part of vishnu's dream punch them in the face you know <laughs> well was that real you know that's like our, that's name. like rc scroll you know how, how do you convince somebody that sin is real you steal their wallet yeah you know yeah, you, you could do like Billy Sunday did when uh, somebody was denying the Bible. And he reached over and grabbed their nose and twisted it and made it bleed. And he said, the, the Bible says in Proverbs that the ringing of the nose produces blood. <laughs> wow, I don't know about that. <laughs> now, not that I'm advocating that. I'm just saying that's that must what, have been in the that's what Billy, yeah. Billy Sunday did. So so to me, the whole thing, it's, it's you want deity without accountability. You want to be your own deity. Yes, yes. And 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 to know that whatever heaven might be, uh, whoever that god or goddess might be, that you're going to be able to feel safe and be there. And yet behavior doesn't matter. You know, whatever you want to do, whatever feels good. And, and if you study, of course, paganism throughout the whole history of the world, sexuality has been interwoven, uh, fertility rights and all of those kinds of things. Uh, the ancient gods and goddesses. Some old Zeus looks down from Olympus and sees some hot chick down there. Next thing you know, the old boy pops down and Hercules pops out. And, and, so, <laughs> and so in this whole... Hercules, Hercules. <laughs> in, in this whole deal, though, if, if I want to then go out and grab a woman and do something like that, then I can feel fine because that's the way my deities you know, function. And so... So you're yeah. saying that people want to maintain a relationship with God and still have the knowledge of good and evil for themselves? <laughs> they, they, it, it sounds very wow. much like, like that. But, when it goes uh, back to the garden. Yeah. You know, yeah. Did God really say that? Did God really right. say, and right. shouldn't I be able to decide what's really right, right and wrong for me? And it was pleasing to the eye? Yes. The yeah. desires? I want all of God's blessings and all of start. my desires. <laughs> so the gospel of the New Age uh, spirituality is... Jesus is a keychain accessory that we add to our lives along with the other things that make us happy and might bring a beneficial warm feeling to us. But um, in their eyes, uh, Jesus is just one way among many, not but, yeah. the way. But but who and, is Jesus? Right. It's, it's a Jesus of their own devising. Mm-hmm. He may be you know, some type of prophet. He may be some type of spirit being. He might be a Hindu know, guru. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, He's and a bodhisattva. So, right, right. So <laughs> anyway. All right. Very interesting stuff. And um, I hope that 
that will stimulate some more discussion or some more research for you out there, the listener. But we got to move on and talk about the fifth false gospel that uh, Dr. Lutzer highlights in his book. He calls it the gospel of interfaith dialogue. What in the world is interfaith dialogue? Well, he says it is, quote, a planned and organized forum that is employed by some Muslims or Muslim groups to present a more palatable version of Islam. Uh, He continues by saying that the Catholic Church is very uh, much a part of this and willing to submerge their own core beliefs in favor of a uh, relationship with interfaith partners who approve of uh, basically providing uh, a one-world religion or um, an approach to where we can bring peace and harmony between Islam and Christianity and maybe even Judaism and just uh, put it all together and hey we all we coexistence we all worship the same God and uh, your pathway to God is just as valid and true as my pathway to God and so um, we all revere Abraham and um, Abraham worshiped the same God of the Muslims and and so on Uh, so he talks about that in this chapter let me just uh, quote for you one um, one statement of the interfaith dialogue of a Muslim speaker um, on how to do this. He says, quote, Muhammad built an interfaith confederation that included Jews, Christians, Muslims, and pagan. His goal was to find a way for everyone to live together in peace. Or if you're out around Asheville area, you're going to see peace and coexistence bumper stickers. And uh, I always use the Islamic principles of forgiveness and mercy to reconcile differences between individuals. All right, guys. So that's the false gospel of the interfaith dialogue. Why is this important? Is it a real thing? Should we be worried about it? Jump in. Well, how about uh, just uh, a few weeks ago when Pope Francis made a trip to the Arabian Peninsula and, uh, you know, the the, uh, pontiff, uh, of course, uh, calling for dialogue and uh, with the Islamic faith and Judaism and Christianity to have a communal coexistence. Now, not just a, a tolerance of other people's beliefs and ideas, but uh, the uh, Christians and Muslims together attended the first papal mass on that peninsula. So what you find here is uh, that interfaith drive that I think, again, goes back to some pragmatic thoughts that you've got these, quote, fundamentalist Christians. You've got these ultra-Orthodox Jews. You've got these uh, terrorist uh, Muslims. Uh, You've got all these folks, and they're going to blow the world up. So we've got to get together, you know, and and have a a kumbaya moment. Mm -hmm. And uh, in Rome has always been more than happy to accommodate that uh, because if you go back to their uh, beginnings, uh, the perversion of uh, the church in Rome as it uh, was wed with the government and paganism and uh, all of those uh, infidels uh, were basically baptized into the church and uh, they brought in all their beliefs uh, with be it. under Constantine. Right? Yes, under Constantine. And so, you know, that that's Rome. That's the way it functions. It's this, you know, a blob that just assimilates uh, things into it and uh, 
morphs, uh, you know, to accommodate that. And, uh, you know, that's to me, we're, we're headed there rapidly. Yeah. And, um, I'm not sure what our listeners particular eschatology view might be, but uh, of course, if you, if you interpret, uh, revelation quite literally uh, or in times passages you see that as we get closer to the return of christ that uh, we will see the rise of an antichrist and one of his main goals according to revelation 13 is to build a one religion a religion to rule them all <laughs> so and, to speak and the false prophet who yeah which is exactly what the roman emperor did right now we're going to get into debating um <laughs> Done, the, been fulfilled. The uh, the finer points of Revelation. <laughs> I take the futurist uh, standpoint, but anyway, uh, we move on. Interfaith dialogue. So, um, is this something that we should even attempt? I mean, it seems like the goal is good, right? I mean, peace and harmony with our Muslim brothers, and you, certainly we could. You have to lay aside logic and truth. Um, and even text because I mean it, it's like flying over New York City and flying over Chicago and saying they're the same because there's big buildings mm-hmm. um, so you so just the prime example is Jesus you know all the different views of Jesus in these religions you've got to one of one of the religions have to dismiss their view of Jesus right. in order for them to come together mm-hmm. which isn't going to happen right so you're going to have some weird, surface level deal that like i said you're going to have to lay aside logic you're going to, have to lay aside uh, religious text whether it's you know the bible the quran you know uh, you're going to have to lay aside those things in order to for this to be accomplished and i just personally don't see it happening i think people are trying that aren't rooted in any form of scripture or they don't have solid beliefs i think those people are going to be easy to to pick off, but people, you know, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're not going to then say, well, Jesus wasn't God. He was just a prophet and on and on and on. Um, so I think, I think it's going to be easy to pick, pick apart the people who are just looking for spiritual, you know, truths. Yeah. Um, that's a good point, Adam. You look at the interfaith dialogue. They're just, they're, it's a mile wide and an inch deep because, uh, any, any person who's a true Bible believing uh, Bible reading Christian is not going to find much common ground with the Jesus of Islam because uh, or or a, a strong uh, Muslim or a Jew or, or a Orthodox Jew. they're Jew. not going to <laughs> because you know you read the Quran and it says that uh, Jesus was never crucified he he never went to the cross there was a substitute provided for him and therefore Jesus never died and he never rose again well that's kind of the whole cardinal. Uh, <laughs> Doctrine and cornerstone of Christianity. So I don't see how that we can have any common ground if you're going to deny that or, uh, you know, find some compromise there. And that's not even deep spiritual beliefs per se. That's from the text. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's from the text. But see, that, that's where you're, I think, that we miss this whole thing is that in these reform movements, uh, not talking about Reformation <laughs> theology, I'm talking about in, in Judaism or in Christianity, or in um, uh, Islam, that you've got folks that are are denying the text. They're finding little things, nuances in there. They're reading between the lines, 
they're thinking, well, that was cultural, and so it's not that way now. So, so all of them are willing to dilute those beliefs and those, quote, holy books and come down so they can all get together. And, um, you know, the crisis of the moment, uh, the uh, terrorism, the extremism, the stuff that's going on, uh, you know, in the name of, of religion, the secularists are more than happy to uh, let those folks work things out so that they can kind of calm the, the religious zealots down. And uh, the truth is that we're, we're going to worship somebody or something. Uh, I mean, that's just the fact. Atheism is not going to prevail. Uh, spirituality of some sort uh, will in the culture. And so the only way that can happen, I think, is by there being those types of dialogues where people can can get together and tolerate uh, whatever differences and let's just all be nice, you know. We're supposed to be nice. And so... Uh, I, I can we see, all just get along? Yes, exactly. That, that's the, that's that's theology one hundred and one, right? And so that's what we're seeing imagine, happening. Yeah, yeah. There's right, no John Lennon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I go back to that um, passage out of the Gospels where Jesus says that the Son of Man has come to bring a sword. Mm-hmm. And um, if you are going to hold on to the Jesus of the Scriptures, He is the most controversial, divisive figure that's ever been or ever will be, and um, so that's Derek, what truth does. Derek, if you're going to say that Jesus came to bring a sword, what's wrong with uh, you know, a Muslim saying, I've come to bring a scimitar? You know, <laughs> I, I mean, We're not talking about jihad, though. I mean, Well, okay, then explain to me the difference. But, it, but isn't that the whole thing, the way people look at it at a very surface level and say it's this extremism in religion, this fundamentalism or whatever? There is similarity there because in Islam you have greater and lesser jihad. So you have a, there is violent jihad, but there's also Islamization, which is uh, taking over a society through like um, government, more babies than government, economics, kind of the way it's happening children. in the United States right now. Yeah, and so that that would be a greater jihad where you're not you're not slaughtering it's people. Long term engagement, exactly. It's and, Elon Omar and the reality, being elected to Congress. The reality is is that that is what Christians do also, or are supposed to be doing. Right, is that um, we are supposed to be transforming the culture in the likeness of the God that we worship. And so there is some similarity there, you know, um, as far as the goal. The, the difference is, is uh, which which image is being born, you know, into the country. You know, uh, is it the image of Allah or is it the image of Yahweh? You know, um, but there is some similarity there. So, so, like, obviously, as Christians, like, we don't advocate for violence towards anybody. But there's there are Muslims that don't advocate for violence either. But they would say that they believe Islam is is the proper way for people to live and that the culture should be transformed into an Islamic culture the same way that Christians would. And so for somebody on the outside, they don't really see a whole lot of difference. A nonviolent Muslim that wants to have influence in government and a nonviolent Christian that wants to have influence in government, they see that as essentially the same thing. And so in, in some ways there isn't a distinction. So then the question is, is okay, if that, again, it's the end game, right? If that person gets what they want, what does society look like and what does it look like for that unbelieving person? You know, um, what is it going to be from their perspective? These are all great thoughts. Anybody else want to jump in on interfaith dialogue? I've had dialogue with a Muslim. 
I have too. And that Muslim was dialoguing, attempting to convert me to Islam, and I was dialoguing, attempting to lead them to faith in Christ. And so, you know, we didn't exactly uh, get along, but we were respectful and listened to each other and had that kind of discussion. But I'm sharing the gospel when I do that. I'm not compromising it. I'm not right. trying to find some middle ground. I'm not trying to negotiate. You know, I'm saying this is it. Jesus said he's the way. You know, take it or leave it. And the, the Muslims saying you uh, bend to uh, Allah and submit to him or, or you're going to be uh, in hell. Uh, so you know, one tomb is empty. That's that's the di- other is not. That's dialogue. That's dialogue. <laughs> that's my uh, idea of dialogue. Well, and, yeah, and I think, like I said, you know, t- technically, just from a world religious perspective, like with Islam specifically, it is an Abrahamic religion, and so there are some parallels between Islam and Christianity, Islam and Judaism, that kind of stuff. And I think it's interesting to have conversations like that. But the point that you guys are making is, at the end of the day, Jesus just didn't leave any room. He he personally and the scriptures personally they they don't leave any room. Yeah, yeah. I mean the Jesus. If Jesus did not actually, if he did not have a virgin birth, if he is not God incarnate, uh, if he did not live a sinless life, if he did not die for sins, if he did not raise from the dead, then everything that he said is total garbage. You know, C.S. Lewis makes that point. He's either a liar, or a lunatic, or Lord. And it basically, the idea of him just being a good teacher or being a moral figure or whatever, like he he himself in his teaching didn't leave any room for that. And you hear people all the time make these claims about, you know, Jesus taught this or Jesus taught that. And they have no idea what he really taught. And it's like, listen. All I know is what you know, it says in Matthew Jesus, 7 1. Judge Je- not. Yeah. And Jesus, and Jesus just loved everybody. I'm like, um, you realize Jesus was actually murdered for offending people, right? Like, Jesus said a lot of offensive things. He called people names. He uh, accused people of things. He exposed things that people did not want to be exposed. He was he was not a popular person. That's why he died, actually. And a lot of people don't actually know what he taught, and and or they compromise, like Adam was saying. So anytime I meet somebody that's like kind of in this interfaith world, like you're never going to meet a committed Bible believing Christian that's that's wrapped up in this stuff. Because either they don't actually know what Jesus taught, or they've just softened it up so much that it's like, there's no way that you could say that Jesus would ever agree with you mm-hmm. on what you're doing. Like he, he's just Jesus was radical. the the go- The gospel is radical. It's radical in exposing sin. It's radical in accusing people. It's radical in demanding that there is only one way. And so if you're talking about removing something like exclusivity or something like that, there's just there's no way that you can bring the Bible into that conversation and make it work. Mm. You just you can't fit a square peg in a round hole. And you have to remove the exclusivity of all the religions because they right. all make exclusive, exclusive claims. claims. Yeah. Even yeah. even the interfaith people, they're making an exclusive right. claim. But what you're looking at is, is a collection of scholarly liberals from different faith traditions that are essentially all secular uh, but they like the idea of uh, like morality. Yeah. Like it's like the morality. Jesus seminar, few years right? Ago where they took the colored beads and voted on. You're what abandoning they the scripture. Was, yeah, what yeah. they thought were statements of Jesus. So you're saying that I'll have to peel off my coexist bumper sticker for my <laughs> Subaru Outback? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> it's so funny. It depends on, way, on what you mean by coexist. On the way here, and and I didn't get a full picture, but I was sitting at the red light, and I was. There was a van that was parked, kind of, or pulled in catacourt, 
quarantining. It had the coexist bumper sticker. We're all family. Um, God is, um, what did it say? Something about God is. God is too big for one religion. Something. No, it wasn't that. It was God is me or I don't The equal symbol. I, I wish I could have invited them to have this discussion because they fit every bumper sticker in Nashville. And they're probably around. a tree hegging dirt worshiper. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. My, my absolutely. favorite is. Granola eating too. My favorite is that on one side, they either have the Darwin fish or the flying spaghetti monster. And on the other side, they have the love wind sticker. That's my favorite because I'm like, you have no worldview basis for love at all. Like love is is totally like a chemical right. reaction. Yeah. Like yes. that means nothing whatsoever. The survival of the like the difference between loving someone and the Holocaust is absolutely nothing in your worldview. Because they have no moral basis to make it. Right, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, if, if, you, if you believe in the flying spaghetti monster, then you you have no reason to Mother believe the Holocaust Teresa is wrong. and Hitler don't matter. Doesn't matter which way you live. Although in 2019, they might be a Holocaust denier anyway. So who knows? This is also true. Which would probably play into the interfaith dialogue at right. some point. All right. This has been a deep conversation. We jumped in. And what was the name the, of that book again, Derek, in the, case our listeners out there want yeah, to read the it? The Church in Babylon. And I am plugging it um, for the author, Erwin Lutzer. Never met him. But I have several of his books. He's a solid guy. And we'd love to give away a copy of this book if one of you would like to purchase a copy for us to give away. <laughs> you can support us on Patreon with the link on this episode. And, and I'm a little bit concerned about Derek pushing this so hard that there might be some kind of collusion involved. Yes. In oh, I get no kickbacks from this, okay. trust me. Well, we'll, we'll see what there was the, no collusion. We'll see what Mueller says about that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been great to have you for these back-to-back episodes talking about the five false gospels and stay tuned for more great four horsemen content thank you and have a good one you can continue the conversation online by visiting us on facebook at facebook.com slash the number four horsemen don't forget to tell your friends and enemies about the podcast and be sure to subscribe and review they look at me funny when i talk like i got a speech impediment homie check my passport heaven i'm a resident like a conscious rapper but do more than master president i see brothers coughing so i hit them with the medicine on the other side they say their grass is greener seen the forecast man they calling for katrina